You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. So would you all stand to your feet and welcome Pastor Jane as she comes to bring the word this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. It is such a joy to be here. I love coming to your church. This is like, it's not just home. I feel home. I was telling Pastor Tony and Pastor Drew, I feel like I'm home when I come here. But I've gotten to know you in the last three years, and I just love y'all. I mean, it's just so fun to come here and just see the goodness of God. I think when we get together and gather as a church on Sunday, we get to rejoice in his goodness of what he did all week. And it's so fun to come here. I was reading, um, you know, just in the New Testament, looking at the travels of some of the apostles, and I thought, that's how I feel when I come here. I just go to the church and just celebrate what he's done in you and through you and in the city. And um, so it's an honor to be here, and I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful to be here. Um, Crazy times, huh, we're living in? I got here, and uh, I remember texting Pastor Drew sometime in the middle of this when I was in cell service that um, this is going to be a good Sunday because this is a battle (laughs) to get here. (laughs) I've never been struck by lightning before, so there you go. I can say I've been struck by lightning. (laughs) You know, we are in unprecedented times, huh? Like what's going on in our world is crazy, right? And we need Jesus more than ever. You know, I feel like I've been telling our church, we're living in um, Matthew 24 and 25 right now, those birth pains, and I'm really feeling it. Like, this is where we live. And I have friends in the Ukraine. Some have gotten out, some have not. And so, you know, that's weighs on our heart what's going on in our world. And then I look at America, and, um, you know, the statistic is that 30% of the church isn't back after COVID. They just decided to stay home or, I don't know, quit. I'm so grateful y'all are back (laughs) in full force. I mean, it's so important that we gather every week. His presence comes in such an incredible way. Look at what he's doing in our midst. People getting touched and saved. People getting healed and set free just in the worship. You know, he comes and meets each one of us, and we get to celebrate what he's done all week. And we get to learn from the word and learn from each other. And it's a powerful time. And I am so grateful you're back. So me preaching this 30% is to the wrong people. But I just wanted to say thank you for coming back. And we're so grateful to see what God's doing in our midst, you know. Taste and see he's good, right? Psalm 34. Um, One other thing. I just want to say... I am so excited about your Jesus School. And number one, I want to change the name of our school to Jesus School because that's the coolest name. And it just kind of tells what it's about, right? It's about Jesus. I'm like, I'm going to bring that to my team. (laughs) I love it. And I just felt like we're kind of just a few years ahead on that than you all. And um, I want you to know as a church, you are going to benefit immensely from a uh, Jesus School, we call it D School, Discipleship School, but from Jesus School here at your church. I want you to know it has caused us as a church body to go deeper. I can't explain it. And the challenges for the leaders as we literally are putting more energy and time into studying and knowing God's word in a greater measure, the fruit of it falls on y'all because our teaching probably shifts and changes to be better. But we have seen incredible fruit from it. 
And now we're excited to, the next thing is to raise them up to go wherever they're called to go, you know, plant churches or go to the nations. And so I just want to say I'm super excited and I want to thank this church body for believing in the vision and the leadership for believing in this because you will see God move and change like you've never seen before. I can't explain it. You know, when I start our D school every year, I tell the students, you know, we kind of feel like this is seven years of spiritual growth in the next nine months. And it's an incredible time where these students have chosen to set aside nine months and study God's word and be intentional of growing in the things of God and reading books and all of the things and listening to different speakers and theologians and all of the things. And every year at the end of the year, I do a survey. Good old survey monkey coming out, right? <clears throat> and I do that. And I ask them, tell me how many years you felt that you grew in the things of the Lord. Like, is it seven, five, you know, whatever? And everyone puts in there more than seven. And I just want you to know, for those who are choosing to do this, your life will never be the same. I know when I chose to go to school, uh, I was in YWAM mission school for a while, and I knew in that time, so set aside, I just grew immensely. And so whenever we intentionally go after that, it's like we're changed. We're never the same. So I want to thank you, church, for being willing. Is that okay? Now can I get to a sermon? No? All the things that were on my heart. Well, at first, before a sermon, I want to share with you as I was prepping for this and praying into it, water. My room was really dry, and the airplane was. <laughs> I'll be drinking a lot. Um, as I was prepping for this and just spending time with the Lord, all of a sudden the presence of God fell. And if you're new to the church and new to this whole walk with Jesus in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And one of them is prophecy. And if you know that, if you've been around a while, you know there's prophets and seer prophets and the word S-E-E-R, prophets. And I'm a seer and it's just a gift from the Lord and he gives you these words to encourage the body of Christ. And so if you're new to it, I just wanted to kind of, I'm such a pastor, right? Lay the foundation always. But um, the presence of God was just hitting me and I kept seeing a vision of this church and the Lord, I want to read what he said, because it was pretty, the vision I kept seeing was um, this church is a beacon of incredible light, like brighter than anything in the region, like it was just shining so bright. And then I saw hundreds of beacons that have come out of this light right here. And it was to the state, to the nation, and to the world. Because of what you sacrifice, the Lord said, it's their sacrifice. And I kept thinking, oh, they have sacrificed in their life and in their energy. But also, what is a sacrifice in the kingdom is praise and thanksgiving. I know this church has that heart. Anyway, and I believe God is moving mightily in this place. I know Matthew 5, 14 says, you're the light of the world, a town built on a hill, cannot be hidden. And I just saw this light. And then I saw this incredible root system being established. And you've been in a season of growing very deep and spreading roots wide to carry what is to come. So I saw these roots going down, this root system, and going far out. And then I see in the season of now, more of an apostolic, the sent ones. You know, that word means to send. And that you will leave this place and go establish things to bring those beacons of light. And it's carrying the DNA of Jesus, but it's also carrying the DNA of this house. 
And it's so important. And I know that it hasn't been easy. The Lord said, this hasn't been easy. This has been years of like contending. Some of you have been here in this church a long time. It's been years of contending and to take the ground that you're facing. But the breakthrough is going to be so worth it. You're going to see souls and more souls. And keep pressing in Jesus. That's what he said. Just keep pressing on. And he's leading the way. And I see that the direction is becoming very clear. All those questions the leadership is asking. There's going to be an ease of the direction that's coming. And then the Lord took me to Isaiah 61. And I see this over you. The planting of the Lord. And he's declaring the ministry of Jesus in Isaiah 61, but it's the ministry that Jesus passed on for us to continue, right? And so the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for all of those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy, amen, instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You are called oaks of righteousness, plantings of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The Holy Spirit kept speaking to me what, we're in that third great awakening. We're in it. It's not coming. We're in it. And that God said, this church is a revival hub. As I read Isaiah 61, he's like, do you know they're a revival hub? I like that language. They're going to be equipping and sending. So I just want to encourage you, as you are going forward, and many of you have been on this journey a long time, and some of you just hopped in and bless you, because it's going to be good. I just want to bless what God's doing here. So can we pray into that and then just go? I promise I won't preach forever. All right, maybe, kind of. No, <laughs> I have tonight. All right, Father, that word was from you. And I just thank you for how we get to carry on the ministry of Jesus and that you're calling this church for such a time as this. Lord, I thank you. Your eyes over what is happening in this place and how blessed you are by it amazes me. Your goodness overwhelms me. Lord, I thank you for the direction. I thank you for the tenacity of the believers in this house. And God, I bless what you're doing in this place. God, I pray that increase, the revival hub. I pray, God, the beacons that are called to be sent ones, Lord, that you raise them up. Lord, I thank you that you're doing a quick work. In a clear work, you're bringing clear direction. So, Father God, I just bless what you're doing in this house and in these people here. Lord, you are good. And they're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. Amen. Well, amen. We had church. <laughs>
I want to talk about the glory of the Lord, and we just experienced it. So isn't that fun? We had to talk about it, and I was telling Pastor Drew I love talking about the glory. Tonight I'm going to talk about the tabernacle of David, or David's tent, whatever you want to call it. It's the glory, and just how it, what it represents to us today and in Acts 15. And I just want to, we're going to start in this glory and talk about him. And when we talk about him and when you read it in the word, he comes. He just shows up. I want to share a testimony because um, I'm gonna, the glory brings revelation of God's kingdom. It's what it does. And just recently, a few weeks ago, we had a gentleman in our church. He's been going there, yet hasn't yet committed to Jesus. He grew up in a cult. His family's been contending for him. His family's been saved, and they've been praying for him. Before I left here, he told me the full version of this testimony. And he said, you know, when you go places, you can share this. And I thought, isn't that neat? (laughs) He knows that his testimony is going to bring a breakthrough for someone else. The revelation he got... But he was just in church in the presence of God, and God met him there. We hadn't done an altar call yet. We hadn't done anything. We were in worship, and the glory of God hit him so strong. I want you to know, this man said, he goes, I'm a full alcoholic. I drank 120 beers a week, and he said, God just set me free. Like, I have no desire for it, nothing. And he goes, all of a sudden, I just want to be with Jesus. And he starts just weeping, this big guy. And just like, he goes, I cry all the time. So I can't explain it. I just cry. And he goes to work, and he doesn't know that much about who he is. But he tells everybody about Jesus. He's like, he changed my life. That's all we have to know, is I had an encounter with him, and he changed my life. Day one of salvation, you got a testimony. I met Jesus, and I'm never the same. And he's going to work telling people about Jesus. So today we're going to talk about the glory. And the glory in our midst, how it changes us. We encounter Jesus and we are never the same. All right. Second Corinthians, I promise I'll get to the sermon. Yes, we are there. I want to hop into 2 Corinthians 3.18 and I'm going to read it from the Amplified. And I want to read... Um, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. So if you want to hop there, um, it's kind of what the foundation of this is about. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, and true freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, continually see as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. He is taking you from glory to glory. You're looking in his glory, and you're reflecting it, but you're also taking it in. Can you comprehend his goodness in this? We have this incredible access to the king of the universe. The king of the universe who's changed and wrecked all of us or we wouldn't be here. You know, the word contemplate is the the reflecting as well as looking in. And so we can do both. You look into the glory, but then you reflect his glory. We are continually being transformed in his image with this ever-increasing glory that we are reflecting. God's perfect love is in his glory. That's who he is, that perfect love. 
You know, Moses said, I want to see your glory. Moses wanted this intimate relationship with God. And he said, I'll let my goodness pass you by. His extravagance, his goodness, his nature, his glory, those are all adjectives of what it means, his glory. In his very presence. So I want to just kind of go through some things the word says about the glory of the Lord and what it brings. So I said the first one, it brings this revelation of the kingdom of God. You know, his presence shows up and we have an incredible revelation of who he is. His goodness still overwhelms me. You guys, I've been serving him over 30, over 50 years, but 30 years in ministry, over 50 years. And his goodness overwhelms me. His goodness continually passes me by as I'm sitting here. I'm just weeping. Your goodness, your mercy. He's so good. His glory comes in and we're never the same. He takes you from glory to glory. Remember that. We never just arrive. Someday he's going to take us to heaven. He's coming back for this beautiful bride. Ready. Ready for him. And I want to be very ready. But then we go from glory to his glory in heaven. Can you comprehend it? It's forever. This is what we do. You know, he doesn't want us to be that preoccupied with the things of this world. I loved what Pastor Tony was saying. Like, those things just fall away. Let them fall away, right? In this season, I have been more convicted. We do things in Mozambique and in the... Um, Middle East and the persecuted church is just really getting hurt right now. And I can't talk about it or I'll weep. But um, the glory that comes in those places of persecution is like nothing else. You know, his presence, whether we're in a season of it being easy or difficult, his glory comes. His presence is there. Anyway, <clears throat> the glory of the Lord also brings a fear of the Lord. My husband was reading through what I was going to talk about to you, and he said, you're going to talk about fear of the Lord. I said, yeah. And he goes, you could talk probably an hour or two on that. I said, yeah, <laughs> but I won't. I promise I won't. It's one of my favorite topics is fear of the Lord because it goes with the glory. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord is this holiness. You know, fear of the Lord, it says in Proverbs, is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. As we understand and see him more, our fear of the Lord increases. You know, things that were okay before aren't okay now. You know, I, what I was trying to say is, as I've been watching and just helping different areas of the persecuted church, all I can say is I sit and weep before the Lord and say, I'm sorry for the time I waste. I'm just sorry. The fear of the Lord just hits me. It just hits me and I get undone. So, Sergio Scatagolini, does anyone know that? He's an evangelist from the Argentine revival. Has anyone heard him or know him? He said this, I heard him speak in the early 90s and revival was just going wild in Argentina. And he held up his water bottle and he said, you know, this came from this, you know, purified, all those good things, but how many of you would drink it if it had 1% sewer water? And all of us were like, gross, disgusting. And he goes, that's what the fear of the Lord is. Like, we just want it all purified. Everything in us, fully purified. That we don't even have that 1%. That everything in us is going after him. In Mark 13, 
At the time, people will see the Son of Man is coming in clouds with great glory and power. One day, Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back soon, I think. I mean, probably, maybe not in my lifetime, but soon is relative in the kingdom of God, right? I know the birth pains are here. I read Matthew 24 and 25, I'm like, we're in that. I can tell you that much. But we're in that place where he's coming back for this bride, and I want to try to get to 100%, you know? The glory of his presence brings that fear of the Lord. When the king of all kings and lord of all lords shows up in your life, we can't not be undone. We can't not see the things enough us that don't honor him and want it, that we desire to change. And I just pray, just keep your heart tender to him. Keep it tender to him. The glory of the Lord brings grace and truth. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, the Word, became flesh. You know, when every time I read that scripture, the power of God just hits me. I can't tell you, it speaks such life to me that we get to look at what the Word of God looked like when it became flesh and dwelt among us. When we look and read in the Gospels, we get to know what that looks like. And we have this incredible world to look at and say, Jesus, when you show up, everything changes, right? In our workplace, when Jesus shows up, everything changes. When he shows up in your family, he has solutions for all of our problems. When he shows up, everything changes. The glory of the Lord brings that truth to us. I love when we have different, you know, people in every area of society, right? So do you in this church. My favorite thing is to hear their story of what God does during their week. It is the best thing to hear how he shows up in their normal life walk, right? It wrecks me. He really cares about our lives, you guys. And when we say, come in, Holy Spirit, come and be with me and walk with me in these places, you know what? He will take you up on that. He will. I've told you a lot of testimonies of different ones in the marketplace, especially medical ones. But it's fun in this season right now. We're seeing a lot of it in the online world, aren't we? How God is showing up. Now, I don't recommend this for every church, but we have digital disciples. So we have gamers that are online discipling people and leading them to Jesus as they game. And it's become such a thing, and they're getting healed, and it's, you know, then you can go everywhere. It's not like these people are in Fargo. So the Lord gave me this dream, this real prophetic dream of that's your next church plant is digital disciples. I thought, how does this even work, God? I don't even know. But all I know is that he shows up, and those people who are gaming would have never found Jesus except these guys in our church commit Tuesday nights and Thursday nights for two hours and say, I want to find people who need to know him. And they go after it. We're meeting and just saying, how do we make this church? How do we disciple these people? They're coming to know Jesus. We're encouraging them to find a church. But how do we disciple them? It's cool, they're getting healed, like knees healed, this and that healed, over digital disciples. He's a good God. I just think sometimes he goes like this, my brain goes, okay, 
My son, he goes, all those years you got on me about gaming. <laughs> all those years. I was like, yeah. But our son was one of the ones that birthed it because he's a real evangelist at heart. And he was, you know his story, he was sick and he's still healing. I want you to know testimony, he's getting better. This year, I can tell you he got better. Praise the Lord. But um, he would lead people to the Lord on, as they would game. And his friends would be like, we're dying because he's like bold as a lion. And we're just kind of like, what do we do with this? You know, and I thought, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Anyway, do we, what's the time? We're good? Okay. <clears throat> that's good. Glory produces, our, produces faith and hope. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's light by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserving privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that the, that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character does not disappoint our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When God's glory comes, our faith is increased. Have you ever noticed in church when all of us are gathering together and his presence comes and there's word of knowledges that are coming forth and people come up, our faith is like here. Of course he can do it. He's present in this place. When his presence comes, our faith increases. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. The impossible happens. This last year, since I saw you, we'd been contending for a young woman who's married and has cancer. God of the impossible. She was supposed to have surgery and she wants to be a mom so bad. And um, she, you know, had been contending for healing. We've been praying and laying hands on her. And the, the, her physician gave her six more months. If you're not better in six months, we have to do surgery. And uh, she went to that doctor's appointment. You know, that's scary, right? Get that C word and, you know, Jesus, we need you to step in. She goes in the room and the doctor's like, I can't explain it. It's totally gone. There is no cancer. And I want you to know she is pregnant now. <laughs> Say, yay, God. But that faith and that hope was this corporate thing. We just continued to contend for this. And now we're even stirred more. Like, okay, cancer, you are a little word now, right? Because our God is so big. And a lot of times we thought that was a big word, and it's not. He's a big God. The glory brings signs and wonders and resurrection power. John 2.11. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. That's when he changed water into wine. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. We carry that very presence, Christ in us, that hope of glory. He is the resurrection and the life. That's what you carry. I've been talking to Pastor Drew and hearing some amazing testimonies that your church has had. That stuff feeds me because all I can say is do it again, God. Do it again. Yeah. 
You know, we study and we look at the miracles and acts, and they weren't supposed to end there. We were supposed to keep carrying them out. Yeah, it's so good. We had a woman recently <clears throat> come to church, and it was for a Sunday. We actually had a Sunday night meeting, a special speaker, all the things, and our D school, our discipleship school, which may be Jesus school now. Our Jesus school <clears throat> was doing words of knowledge, and they were the ministry team that night. And they said something like hip and pain. I don't remember what it was. And I just say this to say, when he gives you little, little, little words of knowledge, lean into it and say it. Because someone's life will be radically changed. So don't just don't listen to the lies and don't disqualify yourself because those little words of knowledge, we have seen the greatest miracles. And so that's what it was. And this woman had come there and said, Jesus, I've been prayed for for 15 years. I can't sleep at night. I have pain. She's a young mom, like a young woman. And she literally can't sleep at night. She's in so much pain. And she said, if they give a word of knowledge about that, I'll go forward one more time. And she went forward and she was radically healed. That night she slept through the night and now it's been two, three weeks and she slept every night through the night, totally healed. Something she carried for 15 years. The glory brings signs and wonders. They follow us, those who believe. His presence comes in. I think I shared another testimony last year. I might have shared about Little Eden and the missionaries and... Um, now they're in the Congo and um, Angola. They're in that area. And they have five children. And they weren't gonna, they've wanted to be missionaries for years and years. <laughs> and they've been praying for it. But their one daughter was born um, with a deformity. And she had a leg that didn't work and a hand that didn't work and different things. I don't even remember what the diagnosis was. And one of our discipleship students came up and said, I just see a hand being healed. And little Eden came forward, and guess what happened? Her hand just opened up. Her leg just straightened out, and she started running around the church, totally healed. And I want you to know, they're in Angola today because of God's goodness. When his presence comes, I just say that to say don't disqualify yourself. Because Christ in you, the very hope of glory is in you. The glory brings us face-to-face transformation. Ha, ha, ha. Face-to-face now in the ministry, 2 Corinthians 3, 7 and 8, that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious was, has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And in what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of which lasts. The glory that Moses had cannot even compare to what you're walking in, you guys. That's what he's saying. It's a greater glory that we get to step into because of Jesus. We are in that place where you can actually know him face to face. That was Moses' desire. He wanted to see God. He wanted to know him intimately. And you know what? Those covenants of intimacy didn't happen, which I'll talk about tonight, until David, until David stepped into that place. But Moses desired what we get to have, that intimate relationship with Jesus, that glory right now 
of God in our midst, that we get to walk with him, that Christ is in us, the very hope of glory rests in you. Can you comprehend his goodness? It is so good. We live in a time and an hour where that transformation that Jesus brings is so evident. It's so countercultural, right? It goes against everything this world is. It's, our world is total opposite spirit of what Jesus is, isn't it? You guys are countercultural. You are bringing in this hope. Can you imagine living hopeless? Ouch. That's what our world is in. They, we, what, they watch the news, and I just try to limit my news because I don't think we were created to have Fox News on, CNN, whatever, all the time, and that's just bombarding us. But that's a lot of people just sit and look at that, and they're hopeless. But Christ in us, what? The very hope of glory is in you. You carry that. That's what we carry to this world. Oh, he brings identity in the glory. We are created in his image. And the more his presence comes and the more we see him, the more we see what we're supposed to be like, right? Less of us and more of him. Colossians 1.26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed in the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of the mysteries which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. Those glorious mysteries of who he is is in us. Isaiah 61, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. We get to live in those places we want to see his glory. I want to walk in his glory. You know, we had a minister. Um, I just loved her books. She's, not, she's now with the Lord. Her name was Ruth Hefland, and she, was, um, she, just, she lived in Israel and just literally had a house of prayer before it was a house of prayer was a thing with Mike Bickle. And she would just pray and worship. And she would just worship, and she'd pray, and she'd praise. And uh, she... she taught me an incredible lesson about that. She said, I would praise until the worship came, and then I'd worship until the glory came, and then in the glory I'd just stay. And she would share testimonies of how their worship and their prayer and praise coincide with wars that were happening or bombings in their city that supernaturally would change and shift. And God would just show them in the newspaper the next day what had happened in those moments while God's people was, were praying and resting in the glory of God. What happens when we rest in that glory? What happens in your city? What shifts? What chains? What happens in your country, in your regions? When you step into that place where we worship and we praise and then we wait in the glory and we stay there and rest with him, and what is he doing? You know, the, the New Testament church saw this. Think of Peter. He's in prison. What's the church doing? Probably freaking out. He's in prison. We're all going to be there. You know, let's be real. They're humans, right? But they gather and they begin to worship and they pray. And he's worshiping and he's praying. And what happens? Supernatural. You're like, jail gates open and he's freed, right? As they worshiped and as they praised and as they spent time in the glory, things shifted. I want you to know that's the power that you carry. I think a lot of times if we totally knew who we were in Christ, our world would be so different. Every Christian in this world 
would look so different, wouldn't it? And that, what is the enemy's biggest lie? He wants to disqualify us and tell us that's not who you are. But I want our mindset to shift as we're reading these scriptures and talking about who we are in Christ and what his glory is, that's what you carry. I wanna see our generations rise up and see cities saved. What does it look like to see cities saved? I think I ask you that every time I'm in Ames, don't I? She's the one that will ask us, is our city saved yet? I am, because I believe that's gonna happen. God didn't ask that question in the Bible for nothing. The reason he asked it is because it's a rhetorical yes. Can a city be saved in a day? It can. Nations can shift and change because we spend time in his presence. Because we spend time in that manifest presence of God, his glory around us, shining. He satisfies our hunger like no one else, doesn't he? In that place, this hunger that we have for him just is so satisfied in the glory. And everything else just doesn't matter anymore. It just kind of falls, doesn't it? It falls to the wayside when we're in his presence. Because what does it really matter? It doesn't. In his presence. That taste and see the Lord is good. And he wants to take you from glory to glory. In the end time harvest, we're going to carry this heart of God. I really believe that word that I shared with you, you are to call that. You are called to be that in the end time harvest. You're called to be a place, this revival hub where people come and where they go, leave equipped, full of God, changing regions and nations. And if Jesus says it, then it's possible. Amen. He said it here first before it was prophesied. It's possible. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.